how architect and engineer pairs deliver landmark buildings based on a pair that inspired me and then the, the, the couple pairs that are my own. Welcome to the Structural Engineering Podcast. I'm Max, one of the hosts of the show, and I wanted to apologize for the big delay since our last episode. I broke about 5% of my bones and had to take a lot of time in the hospital, but we're coming back, and it's all starting right now, so please enjoy the show and contact us with any questions or suggestions you might have. For this episode, we have a wide-ranging talk with Robert Malchik, the Principal Architect of Timber Engineering and a Mass Timber Specialist. Enjoy. One more thing before we start the episode. For the past year, we've been working with a structural kit called MOLA, and we've been huge fans of it. We actually both have a set in our offices. I found it useful when explaining engineering concepts to young engineers and discussing how buildings deflect when loaded. MOLA's structural kits are now sold on Amazon, making them even more attainable. We'll put a link below so you can check them out. If you're listening between November 1st and November 7th, they're offering a 25% off discount, so be sure to get yours today. Thanks for listening. And now it's time to talk with Robert. So Robert, uh, you've been promoting design of mass timber for your whole career. Uh, I know that even in grad school, that was a big part of your focus. I'm curious what drew you to timber so early on. And is that the same thing that keeps you enthusiastic about it now? Well, what drew me to timber was kind of an accident. Both my parents are structural engineers. Uh, my mom used to design concrete bridges and my dad used to design steel structures and I had to find something for myself. <laughs> so uh, I actually ended up uh, traveling around United States in the 80s and I just fell in love uh, with your framing. Like I, I, I went to a few subdivisions, just typical framing. And, and, you know, being a European, I've never seen anything like that. And it was just like fascinating how all the two by fours, two by sixes were putting together and how smart and efficient it was. And uh, and then I went back and I started uh, looking more into timber and uh, I discovered this book called Holzbau Atlas by Julius Natter. And uh, I figured, wow, I want to do these big stadiums and, and large community centers and buildings in wood. And uh, that's how it started. That's awesome. And for people that haven't kind of traveled around seeing construction in Europe, what is the typical construction out there? It's brick. It's uh, it? Most houses are built out of brick. And the only part uh, that it's wood, it's the roof. So you just have the standard uh, rafters and purlins. And um, this is it. Um, you know, this was back in, uh, you know, when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. Now it's kind of cross-laminated timber and glue lamp post and beam and prefabrication, but it's still mostly brick and concrete. Interesting. Okay. And so what do you think the epicenter for timber is right now? Is that North America? I would like to say that it's Vancouver, BC. <laughs> and that's, of course, uh, but, where you are, right? <laughs> <that's> right. <laughs> Just happens to be, yes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I still think that the epicenter is Central Alpine Europe. So uh, Switzerland, Austria, Southern Germany, Northern Italy. This is where the best companies are. This is where the best professionals are, the most research. Uh, we have a strong cluster here, but uh, uh, and we're catching up really closely, uh, but they're still better. <laughs> Hopefully we get them quickly. Yeah, so Robert, kind of getting started, do you mind just giving an intro about yourself and your company? 
Yeah, so my name is Robert Malczyk, and I came to Canada oh, 33 years ago as a graduate student. Uh, became a structural engineer, graduated from UBC, uh, run my company with my partner Eric Karsh called Equilibrium Consulting for 21 years. Um, then we joined Katera, then Katera kind of folded on us. And um, uh, Eric stayed with Michael Green and working still with Equilibrium. And I started a company called Timber Engineering. And um, I run it now for a year. And we have projects in Canada, United States, um, China, and uh, South America, and uh, pretty much all over the place. So that's a quick summary. Great. Well, thank you for being here today. Um, last time we spoke, I was thinking more about where you came from and what you've been doing. Was there something like growing up, were you very entrepreneurial, very business-like? Because it seems like not only are you succeeding as a structural engineer, but as well as a business owner. You know what? I don't know. I don't like uh, all my family history. I know that the grandfather was running a construction company, but I really never met my grandmother, my grandfather. So, uh, so that, that was kind of it. Uh, And um, yeah, I started a couple companies, uh, structural engineering companies, and also uh, I was a partner with BC Passive House uh, with Matteo Dürfeld and Eric Karsh, and work very close with uh, with quite few uh, suppliers of mass timber. So no, it's just kind of happened. You know, in this interview, I think we're going to talk a lot about what makes a successful project and successful pairs working with an architect well, but. I, I guess we have a couple more kind of kickoff questions. And I sure. think some of these are, you know, for people that are less familiar with mass timber, just to set the groundwork for us. Yeah. One thing I hear, you know, we try to give people that listen the tools to have intelligent conversations with owners, developers, architects on why they might want to use a system. So if we we're thinking about mass timber specifically, and if you were talking to a developer, what are the benefits of mass timber? And, and to be, you know, the devil's advocate, the other side here. Why have we been building with steel and concrete for the last several decades when we're looking at, you know, mid-rise commercial mm-hmm. larger structures? Yeah, so mass timber pretty much only developed uh, during the last 30 to 40 years, 40 in Europe, I would say 30 to 25 in uh, in North America. Um, before, it would be just uh, a typical Safeway or an IGA store, Glula marches. Uh, during the Second World War, there were more structures because of steel shortages. But it was always this kind of an, a basic material for housing, uh, which was framing, and then a few glue beams uh, uh, for longer spans. Um, it all changed in the, uh, in the 90s in North America uh, with the new technologies, uh, uh, new CNC machines, uh, new connection systems, uh, and, uh, and then a really big change came with the introduction of cross-laminated timber. So uh, cross-laminated timber, CLT, is used for slabs. Glulam is used for uh, columns and beams. So when you had slabs and posts and beam, then you suddenly can start doing the whole building out of mass timber. And then it came all these calculations with the uh, with the CO2, and then the mass timber also became much more available and the prices went down. So now where uh, developers want to build a building, say downtown Vancouver, and it's a mid-rise commercial building, they seriously look at mass timber. First of all, it is faster to build. The prices are getting more and more competitive. 
there are incentives from the city to build in mass timber, and it's easier uh, to also achieve super energy efficiency. In here in British Columbia, we have a step code. A lot of buildings were designing to a passive house standard. So it is much easier to avoid heat bridges with mass timber. Um, plus, it's beautiful. Plus, people like to be around wood. This is called this biophilia effect. Uh, um, people like to be around. And because of that, developers can charge more rents for, for example, office buildings and apartment buildings that have exposed mass timber. Okay, absolutely. <clears throat> so putting on my developer hat for a second, I know that you have worked as sort of the owner and developer on on some projects, the On5 mm -hmm. project, I believe was one that you had developed. Yeah. I was going to hold that question for a little bit, but I, you know, since you said the prices are getting more competitive, but it is faster. So, you know, since you held the wallet on one of these projects and, you know, if someone has asked, do you, you pay a little bit more for the mass timber, but do you think you save overall as a project by having less man hours in construction? Yeah, so um, on, on this project called On5, which is a small office building downtown Vancouver, I actually pay all the bills. So um, <laughs> I can share them because a lot of people kind of sometimes don't want to share, but I have no problem with it at all. A typical cost of a concrete building in Vancouver right now, it's around $500 a square foot. My little office building will be 475 so which will be actually a little cheaper. And I think one of the reasons why it will be cheaper is that it only took us 12 days uh, to put it up on top <laughs> of the uh, concrete slab. The cost of crane that I was paying for was $750 an hour. It adds up. Another day, another week of a crane like this, it's a lot of money. So I think the speed of construction has a big effect on, um, uh, on the overall cost uh, of, the, of, uh, of the building. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the net was a bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. That's great. All right. Well, now that we've kind of gone through Mass Timber, a little intro there, let's let's kind of dive into the topic today and discuss more of kind of what you're seeing makes a really successful partnership and successful project. Yeah. So I would like to talk to you about, about this, uh, uh, this kind of topic that uh, I, I think never was really addressed anywhere uh, properly. Uh, how an architect and an engineer form a pair and they deliver these great, efficient, and often landmark buildings. So um, typically when a, a great building is delivered, there is there is a lot about the architect, but there is this, this little gem to be often discovered. And this is a friendship or, or a relationship or a professional partnership between an architect and an engineer. So the engineer often stays in the dark. Maybe we are less interesting for the media. Maybe we just don't know how to talk properly, or maybe we just like it this way. And uh, the truth is that architecture is responsible for much larger scope. And uh, maybe it is fair that it's uh, pretty much the, the, the most or all the glory goes, uh, goes to the architect. In, in my area of engineering, timber structures, um, because wood is often exposed, this wood structure is often is the thing that provides the most stunning architectural effect. So I would like to present in this uh, in this podcast an an outstanding uh, and a world famous pair of an architect and engineer who was my inspiration, and uh, this this inspiration enabled me to uh, kind of figure out what were the the main secrets of it, 
and kind of learn for myself how to uh, how to how to do it in my own in my own career. So um, it really needs a little bit of introduction. So when I started in the early 90s, I fell in love with buildings out of mass timber. After uh, after reading this great book by Julius Natter that I mentioned called Holzbau Atlas, unfortunately it was all in German back then. <laughs> And uh, uh, because most uh, most of the world of timber engineering was in German-speaking countries. So uh, I was lucky because uh, my, my Danish-Canadian professor Borg Madsen here at uh, UBC in Vancouver introduced me to uh, pretty much the whole bunch of stars of timber engineering back then. There was Julius Nauter, there was Hermann Blumer, there was Peter Bircher. And as I was watching these lectures, I was dreaming of, of really becoming one of them. And one of these early pioneers, Hermann Blumer, um, is the one who developed this incredibly deep relationship and friendship uh, with, uh, with a star of architecture, uh, a Japanese architect, uh, Shigeru Ban. And, you know, Hermann Blumer is this kind of a, a brilliant, but a, a typical shy Swiss timber engineer. And, and here you go a relationship with this famous Japanese architect, uh, uh, Shigeru Ban. And they, they created absolutely the whole bunch of beautiful buildings, but I would like you to, to Google just one of them, a okay. Nine Bridges Golf uh, Clubhouse in Korea. And it is just absolutely, uh, absolutely beautiful. When I started, you know, looking at what makes such a great pair, and uh, I was lucky enough to work with this pair both Shigeru and Herman on a Vancouver project called Terrace House, which is a wood high rise here in Vancouver. It's still in the works. And I was the local timber engineer because I knew Herman uh, for, for many years. We met in Europe many times and, uh, and uh, uh, he was uh, uh, wonderful enough to recommend me as a local timber engineer. So this is what I learned. What I learned from Herman's and Shigeru's great relationship. Number one, they know not only their part of the work, but they're also fascinated by the other's scope. So Shigeru has a great understanding of structural engineering, and Herman really gets the architectural intent. Number two, they deeply respect each other. And number three, they love their time spent together. So uh, these, are the, these are the secrets. And uh, why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because I was able to learn a bit from, from these two brilliant professionals and apply a bit of this, of this knowledge in my own relationships. And I found that it was absolutely priceless. It gave me great pleasure, renewed my energy and uh, made my work much more fun uh, because, uh, because of that. So in the next part, I would like to talk about these two great relationships that I have, actually, because, uh, because of, of studying of this, of this effect. And um, one of them is with Boston-based architect called Tom Chung, who's with Lear's Vines Apple Architects. And the other is with John Hemsworth, a Canadian Vancouver-based architect with Hemsworth Architecture. Any questions so far? No, no, I mean, no questions right now, but I, I do like the dynamic of a, a structural engineer and architect, and we certainly see that outside of timber. But the first that popped into my head, uh, just because I'm really a big fan of Peter Rice, is Peter Rice and Richard Rogers, right? It's a very Absolutely. similar relationship, 
They both have an absolute understanding of the other person's work and intentions. And, yeah. uh, you know, just as a combination, they make some really excellent things. So, And I did get the Gallery of Nine Bridges up. It is a, a beautiful structure. It reminds me of sort of the Frank Lloyd Wright building, the Johnson Wax Museum. It's like um, a cathedral, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just amazing. Yeah, these these beautiful, I don't know what you would call it, like fluted columns. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's it's an amazing structure. So I did read the book by Peter Rice. And yeah. uh, and uh, it's it's absolutely it's uh, if uh, if a young structural engineer needs to read one book, this is the book by Peter Rice. And uh, but I wanted to talk about the relationship from my field, from timber engineering, to okay. also show you that that you know Peter Rice and uh, the Pompidou, Sanj Pompidou, and and the others like they're they're so well known. But each of us, you know, in timber structures, in concrete structures, in steel structures, we all have these relationships. You know, and uh, and um, so that's why it's so important, kind of, to talk about them. And uh, I'm sure a lot of guys know Shigeruban and his uh, wonderful architecture. So oh, let yeah. me go into a little bit of the details of uh, how I was able to learn a, a little bit uh, from that. So a um, couple projects that I did with Tom. Um, one is called John Oliver Design Building in Amherst, Massachusetts, and the other one is called Adolphi Hall. Uh, University of Arkansas in, in, in Fayetteville. Uh, number one, this interest in each other's scope. So we structural engineers, we really need to become better and know more about architecture. It's so easy for us to complain. It's so easy for us to uh, kind of dismiss it. But we are kind of stuck with working with architects all our lives. So we better learn why they want what they want. So. I'm not gifted enough or creative enough to be an architect, but I love checking out great buildings. I know what I like. I like simple and elegant. And with Tom, we spent hours and hours in the car discussing both architecture and in engineering, and we really learned a lot. And uh, that really formed the foundation of our relationship. Number two, respect. So one word is required here. It's listen. Listen and try to understand why it's not a good idea to put this column in the middle of this open space. Why is it not a good idea to, uh, to have a super big moment frame uh, in front of the window? And I know that this is kind of obvious, but, but so often we don't ask ourselves and we don't really try deeper to, to achieve what the, what the architectural uh, uh, intent is. Number three, having fun together is just a result of number one and number two. So if you're lucky enough and ready to work hard to understand each other, number three will be just totally uh, uh, totally automatic. My other relationship with John Hemsworth, a local Vancouver architect with Hemsworth architecture is much more, I would call it dynamic. So we meet and talk and argue, but always respect each other and, uh, and in the end, we often go for beer and just laugh about, about all our disagreements. So check out a couple of John's buildings. Upper Skina Rec Center in Hazelton, BC. Number one, Lonsdale and Chekamus Center. Chekamus Center is one of these buildings where I, uh, I recommended the columns that were so small 
that uh, that uh, several members of the public were kind of questioning how is this building uh, supported on these on these tiny columns. And but I told John, John, that's all you need, and he trusted me, and it created this kind of floating effect. So the other thing is that I learned a lot from John. John loves Louis Kahn. And I learned a lot about Kimball Art Museum. And when I was actually uh, lucky enough to be included in helping with Mass Timber on this job, I already knew that there was a Kimball Art Museum by Louis Kahn. And I went and uh, and I checked it and it was like absolutely stunning. Yeah. So there is one more thing that why we really like it so much. So just like with Tom, also with John, we go deep into detailed design and design of connections. We actually take time to do it, which is really, really hard. So with Tom, we just two of us, the, 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 the principals in the firm, we designed these zipper trust connections at the uh, uh, integrated design building in, uh, in, at UMass in Amherst. And with John, we designed the connections for the tree structure in Hazelton Arena and all these all these uh, joints that are now uh, on uh, on it. So that's kind of uh, why am I talking? And uh, <laughs> the, the the thing is that I really would like you all of you engineers and architects to try it. If you're an architect, try developing a deeper relationship with your structural engineer. And if you're an engineer, stop complaining about architects. Stop just uh, bad-mouthing them with your engineering friends and start a relationship with your favorite architect and, and just give it a try. And remember these three things. Learn more from each other. Learn more about each other's scope. Respect each other and have fun together. So, you, you know, it's, it's, it's simple, but I think it really can help a lot of people. So, Robert, I have a question for you. Um, and this kind of relates to timeline of projects you know they often feel very fast and they are certainly getting much faster how do you make time for these conversations to to have a deeper understanding of the building with the architect you know i, I think where i'm coming from here is you know a lot of times we are we are handed a schematic level architecture plan and um our responsibility is to kind of fill in our feeling for the structure and we don't mm -hmm. really have that you know wouldn't it be really wonderful if we grabbed a cup of coffee and sat down for a couple hours and sketched the architecture and sketched the structure and it all integrated together? But it's that's not, I think, the process that fast timelines push us towards. Do you, would you say, do it a little bit differently when you're kicking off a project? Yeah, I think I'm, um, there, are, there are kind of two types of structural engineers, the polite ones and then the obnoxious ones. And I'm on the obnoxious side. <laughs> so I always try to change the building. Uh, first, when I when I flew to Boston for my first, well, my first meeting, despite my European accent, I was told I have a West Coast attitude, <laughs> which was <laughs> really funny. Right. <laughs> because I told them that, okay, this building is fine, but you, know, you need to change the grids and change the course and change the building. And I was looking at their faces and and they were like, what? You know, like, you are not here to change the building. You are here to kind of put the structure in this building. But I was yeah. able to change the building. I was able to explain why it makes sense to change the building. And uh, it really uh, sometimes uh, works. And um, if you have good arguments and if you work with, uh, uh, with people that deeply respect you, uh, after the initial shock, uh, they actually listen to you and you, you are able to change the building and to make it much more structurally efficient. And uh, in case of timber structures, make the timber become a probably good architecture. 
that's my hope. Okay, so be a little uh, be a little out there, maybe uh, a little annoying if you have to be. That's right. A little chutzpah will help. Yeah, I like it. Gosh, that's hard to follow up with. Uh, that <laughs> that was uh, Robert. That yeah, that was some really good input. I and I, I think I can see that um a little piece of that with people I work with and colleagues with relationships and stuff. And and that's really true. The that the respect and, and you know spending time together and being part of each other's kind of work is is so important. And you know the 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 spending the time together. We are all busy. We all have families and we all have hobbies and other parts. But there there are things that that often um, we can do together. You know, like with John, we play ping pong together. We actually skied together. Uh, we were traveling around BC with Tom um, around Arkansas. We went all the way down south and we we looked at. Uh, so there there are possibilities if you open your eyes and if you really try you will find opportunities to spend more time together. Have breakfast together in the hotel when you go to faraway project and, and start talking about, about architecture and engineering. Like there is always an opportunity. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So originally we've, we we learned more about you where Max and I were kind of looking and trying to understand the UMass building. And if uh, if anyone listening has not seen it, uh, it's definitely a great thing to, to Google and we'll link it down in our show notes. Could you, could you tell us more specifics on that building structurally? Um, I know you kind of went into it a little bit with, with changing it architecturally. Uh, could you tell us more about the structural system of the building? Yeah, so the structural system is uh, uh, really first time on the East Coast and probably first time in America where we used uh, um, the COT shear walls. So uh, everything uh, top of the ground is all wood. So glue lamp post and beam and uh, uh, COT shear walls. Uh, when we had larger spans, uh, we used the composite floor. So uh, COT works in composite with, um, uh, with concrete with, uh, um, uh, with the HBV system which is kind of these glued-in steel plates that go down into CLT and then they extend into uh, into concrete. We were able to achieve the spans of up to 29 feet, and I encourage all of you who ever go there to jump on them and see that they actually work quite nicely for vibrations. So I'm personally super proud of it that a lot of people walk on these uh, exposed concrete floors and they feel that it's all concrete because it feels like concrete. But when you look from down, you see exposed COT and our beautiful zipper trusses uh, that I was saying we were detailing with uh, with Tom, just him and me, like for three, four days back and forth. And I think effect is just beautiful. It certainly is. You know, on, on the ON5 project that you did, I was wondering, since you were sort of the owner developer, was there anything that you got to try on that project that was maybe a little out there that you, that you didn't have the opportunity on a project that, let's say, you weren't paying the bills, basically? Yeah, so I tried several things. One uh, is this system called Tectonus, which is a yeah. self-centering anchors for a CLT shear walls. So the building moves uh, left and right, left and right, and then it certain goes back into the vertical centers itself after. So uh, we work with Pierre Canville from uh, University of Auckland in New Zealand on this one, and uh, uh, my brilliant engineer in the company, Hersand, um, and we did um, uh, all the modeling for that. So number two is this system from Switzerland called TS3, which is a flat COT system. So the idea here is that just like we do concrete buildings, 30 by 30 grit and flat concrete slab, we can now do it in wood. So we did a five ply, 
CLT spanning two directions. And TS3, again, go on some website and, and take a look. Uh, take a look at it. It pretty much connects the two uh, CLT slabs sideways together. You apply it first in the plant and then the second part of epoxy uh, in uh, in the field. And, um, and you can start doing two-way slabs out of CLT, which is totally revolutionary. And the third one, we did a full prefabrication of outside CLT walls that were firewalls, shear walls and also took all the vertical loads so this is why it took three and a half years to get a permit um, <laughs> because there was a lot of explanation but in the end um, uh, all of this was fully 100 percent prefabricated this is why it took only these 12 days so the clt vertical clt the building was built from the back to the front and it had uh, all the membranes and insulation and the finish so as we were lifting the CLTs, we actually did experiments so the finishes wouldn't buckle. So we had a steel uh, outside finish and we made sure that the deflection of the CLT as you lift it was not uh, too big, uh, not to destroy the finishes. So these are the three things at ON5. That's cool. I'm curious for the 30 foot bays, how uh, deep is the structure there? How many plies, if it can be, if it is we a have, ply structure? Mm -hmm. We have five ply and uh, we're spanning 25 feet out to out. So with the thicknesses of the walls around 24 feet. So if you go into the uh, design tables, you could never spy uh, span yeah. 24 feet with the five ply CLTs. Typical 16, 18 uh, for, for single span for vibrations. But because we glued it, uh, we were able to uh, achieve this uh, much bigger span. Of course, if you do continuous spans, that's much, much different. Then you can go to a uh, maximum of 20 feet for a five ply 175 millimeter CLT. So a lot of our listeners are, are young engineers. We find they reach out with lots of questions and are, are very interested in, in learning how with with being in the mass timber industry and and have been you know been there for a very long time. How would you suggest they could learn more about mass timber? And let's say they want to be a tim timber engineer. What do you think the best starting place is? Yeah, so I think that there um, there there is a lot of stuff online right now. Like when I was starting, there was no stuff online, uh, so we would have to go to conferences. Um, there is a lot of stuff online. And there is a lot of historical lectures and uh, um, all of us have a lot of stuff that is on uh, on YouTube now, uh, uh, old lectures. Um, World Conference of Timber Engineering, it's a great start. Um, so uh, there, uh, there will be a conference next year in Oslo in Norway. Uh, in the United States, Mass Timber Conference in Portland, uh, 12th to 14th of April this year. I encourage you to go there. It's um, they have they have great discounts for young engineers and students. Shigeruban will be talking this year, uh, oh. so it's just worth to uh, to go there to Mass Timber Conference in Portland to listen to Shigeru. It's just it it gives you so much energy. It gives you inspiration. It's uh, it really worked for me. I I really wanted to be like Julius Natter, Peter Birch, Herman Bloomer, and and it's just so much easier. You get this focus and energy, and then somehow everything uh, else follows. That's excellent. Zach, you're attending that, correct? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I went three years ago and I definitely got uh, the itch and the addiction to mass timber. Uh, and I try to almost convert every project I'm on to mass timber because I think it's beautiful and sustainable. And it's very cool to have the, the opportunity to be the, the engineer that's very, that shows the architecture as well. So Robert, I have a question for you as someone that's done less mass timber. Zach's, that's, Zach's more experienced in this realm than I am now. 
Um, not now, he has always been. And, um, you know, being a non-commodity item, right, you don't just order a 10 by whatever you're asking for. Um, that makes it a little intimidating to get into for me. For someone that is newer to this, do you have any advice in that realm on how to get started on bays? You know, if each mm -hmm. supplier has different span tables, where do you even begin? Well, first of all, supplier span tables are different, but very similar. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, learning from suppliers, it's hugely important. So um, in North America, we have great suppliers like uh, Structulam now in Arkansas and British Columbia uh, and uh, uh, and uh, Nordic uh, on the other side and Western Artship uh, uh, also here uh, in Alberta. Um, so uh, there are a lot of local uh, engineers who work for these suppliers. Invite them for lunch and learn. Invite them uh, to, to, to listen what they have to offer. You know, on top of a free sandwich, you actually may be able to learn something. And they will help you on the projects. After lunch and learn, ask the guy to stay longer. Bring him your plans and say, well, I'm thinking about mass timber here. What would you recommend? This is a great way to not only develop a relationship, but get free advice on how to how to do a mass timber project, how to achieve mass timber in, in what you have currently in front of you. Okay, that's great. Um, you know, the other topic I really want to ask you about, since I know you're uh, an advocate for, is passive house. Would you say that mass timber leads to more efficient thermal buildings? And I guess I touching on the environmental yeah. aspect of this and, and insulation? Yeah, absolutely, because uh, uh, it's so much easier to have insulation outside. It's so much easier to avoid heat bridges. And also, mass timber provides great insulation itself. So uh, using outside CLT walls, prefabricated CLT walls, is a great way uh, to achieve more energy efficiency. And uh, not only in buildings that uh, that are office buildings, but also for uh, large industrial buildings, for example. We are now considering uh, vertical CLT panels fully prefabricated for industrial buildings. We've done buildings like this uh, uh, before. Uh, here in Pemberton, um, our BC Passive House uh, building, uh, another one in Victoria that uh, that we delivered uh, back with Katera. So more and more of these are are becoming uh, mass timber buildings. And and as I said, as the prices go down, as the fabricators do more and more prefabrication, it's easier to actually fit it within your budget. That's great. Yeah, prices will come down, and hopefully, we'll see more use of this. Just a quick edit. We talked casually for a few minutes. I didn't feel right to keep that in. So I'm going to snip that out and cut to the end right here. Just want to finish that, you know, like I really would like to encourage people to 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 find these personal uh, professional relationships. You know, like as you go through the career, um, it it gives you energy and it it makes it much easier to go through tough times that we all experience over the years in our profession. So I'll give you an example, you know, like I'm, I'm working now for almost 30 years and I'm meeting John Hemsworth at three o'clock today in two hours. And we're starting a job in Hakuba, Japan, and it will be a library project. And and uh, we are we are doing a, a, a mass timber proposal day and I can't wait. I know John will have completely different ideas from mine and we'll be just pushing and 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 arguing and back and forth but it's just it's so much fun and <laughs> it it gives you this fire it gives you this reason to get out of bed and uh 
I just, I can't wait. That's the reason I wanted to share it. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's the type of uh, working relationship that everyone should really strive for and I know, hard, hard to get, but uh, worth trying to get. I don't think it's hard to get. I think no? it's just, uh, um, it just requires a more focus and an example. I was lucky enough to see it with my own eyes. And uh, not everybody who starts is, is lucky. But if you know, if you if you read Peter Rice's book, if you go, there is a book by Hermann Blumer, unfortunately, in German, um, How Wood Can Change the World. Um, but I'm sure there are others. So if you start noticing it and and putting these these three principles that that I try to to kind of dissect from uh, from this, I think it will be so much easier to do it yourself. Perfect. That's the end for now. Let Zachary know if you have any questions at all, and we'll see you next time.